Lowdown, a podcast series where we get the lowdown on the creative happenings here at Acme. Okay, so here I'm here sitting with Christy Matheson, who is Senior Film Programmer at Acme. We're just going to talk a little bit about Jim Jarmusch and the seasonal films that's coming up very soon at Acme called Jim Jarmusch Rock and Roll. So, um, Christy, just to start off with, can you just describe the season? Yeah, so we so the season, I guess, is in response to Jim Jarmusch. He's, uh, one of his latest films is a documentary on the Stooges called Gimme Danger, which will be playing over summer. And... When I saw the film, you get a great sense of, I guess, the longevity of the relationship between Jim Jarmusch and Iggy Pop, and um, obviously they're great friends, but they've been great collaborators as well. And so when I saw the film, it made me think about, um, obviously, Coffee and Cigarettes and that great short with Iggy Pop and Tom Waits. And then I thought about Dead Man and and Iggy Pop's great cameo um, in that film as a cross-dressing fur trapper, I guess he is. And I just thought it would be really fun to put together a collection of films where Jarmusch has taken very famous rock and roll frontmen, Tom Waits, obviously, Iggy Pop, and to to sort of put together a collection of films where you get to see them in one sort of concentrated dose as a, not really as a compliment to Gimme Danger, but I guess as um, a bit more of a... um, a way to explore his filmography in a very kind of concentrated way. Um, and so I guess there's like some really obvious films uh, of a rock and roll variety that we've um, intentionally left out. Probably the most famous of those is um, his Neil Young concert film. That was something that I toyed with quite a bit, but I, I did end up leaving it out because I felt like it's very much a concert film. It's a great film, but it, that's what it is. And so was more interested in those films where he, um, you know, he asked someone like Joe Strummer from The Clash and um, and almost riffs off the persona of Joe Strummer. But in these films, all of these rock and roll frontmen, they're very much playing a version of themselves, but in a very Jarmuschian universe. So, okay, so before we kind of get in earnest and talk about sort of Jarmusch, just, just as a as sort of a lighthearted question to start with, what is your favourite Jarmusch kind of rock and roll cameo, if you like, or performance? What's my favourite cameo? I do love Iggy Pop's cameo in Dead Man. It's really great. And it, I mean, Dead Man's such an incredible sort of epic film. It looks epic. It's um, dealing with kind of big themes, but that moment in the film gives you a, it's, it's a light moment in the film, I guess, but it's also, um, it's just incredibly surprising. Like you do not think that you're, <laughs> you know, as that film is going on, you, you don't think, oh, at some point I'm gonna see Iggy Pop uh, in a fantastic bonnet. But really for me, Mystery Train is is my favorite. It's actually my favorite of all of Jamush's films because I just, I love the episodic nature of it. I love that it's really riffing on, you know, our sort of fake idea of Memphis. Um, I love that it has this great sort of ghost of Elvis that runs all the way through it. And you just, yeah, again, you get to see all these really very famous people in their own right uh, almost play acting. And I don't mean that in a in a way that it's, the, you know, they're kind of pantomime performances. They're not. They're really great performances. But, um, again, they're kind of surprising. You don't think that Screaming Jay Hawkins is you know, um, going to turn up in a film as a, as a hotel night manager. And, you know, his, his performance is so great. So it's, yeah, I love that he puts people in really surprising situations and does, you know, you can come at these films having no knowledge of who Joe Strummer is and it's a perfectly great performance. But I feel like if you have a bit of that uh, 
cultural backstory of who Joe Strummer is, you just get all this extra elevation in the performance. It's pretty great. He also seems to be able to get pretty good performances out of non-actors, like sort of yeah. like like these these sort of people. Do you think that's because he kind of ta- tailors the the role for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, he famously, you know, um, there's loads of instances in all of his films where. Um, when he's asked about the characters, he's, he will often say, oh, I wrote this character for this person in mind, whether they're um, a non-actor, sometimes they're already established actors. You know, and I guess it sort of brings me back to that first point of Gimme Danger and putting these films around it. You get a sense that he's friends with lots of different and very interesting people, and probably through those friendships and those interactions, he thinks, uh, yeah, I could see you playing this role. So it's, yeah, he definitely is creating these characters from the ground up. But I guess because he has these existing relationships with people, you're probably, they're probably getting infused with a bit of real life and a bit of the character he's making. Yeah. And what do you think it is about sort of Jarmusch's, I mean, he is, like, if you think of all the directors, all the auteurs, he is the one you describe that kind of description, rock and roll. And what do you think it is about him that makes him so rock and roll? I think it's everything about Jim Jarmusch. I mean, you just look at Jim Jarmusch and, I mean, he, he, in his own right, he's actually in a band and he is a musician. But um, I feel like if you showed someone a picture of Jim Jarmusch and said, what does this man do for a job? you would probably think he's the front man in a rock and roll band. I mean, he looks totally um, superbly rock and roll in every um, kind of connotation of that word. And I think, you know, he clearly is somebody who's a huge fan. He's a, I mean, he's a, you know, huge fan of movies. He's a huge fan of music. Um, and I think he's probably straddled culture on you know, and personally, you know, he's obviously a big consumer of culture, but that really bleeds into all of his work. So I feel like that real life love of music and the ethos of what so much of, you know, people like Tom Waits represent or Iggy Pop represent, he kind of takes that ball and completely runs with it in his films. So it doesn't seem fake. Like, I don't feel like he's putting these people in as a, as a joke or a sort of a curio. Like, I think it's his genuine love of what these people do as artists in their own right. So what do you think it is about sort of John Mosh as an auteur? What do you think it is about his films that, that have that kind of John Mosh style? What, what is the hallmark of a John Mosh film, do you think? I feel like uh, throughout all of his films, you get this immense amount of space. Like he really, as a, you know, when you watch one of his films, they're not these really intensely edited, hyper-cluttered stories. The characters aren't constantly going from one plot point to the next. He really has almost, you know, made a unique brand out of not showing all the things in between the big plot points, but I feel like they're all very interesting portraits of life. And he, you know, in, in different interviews, you know, you um, you read or with him, you you know, you'll often hear him say things like, "Well, life doesn't really have plot points," and it doesn't. So you feel like you're getting these great slices of life. Um, but in terms of the way they look and feel, yeah, they're incredibly uncluttered films. And the thing that I think is a real strain through all of his films is there's so many intensely funny moments. They're very funny films, even, um, you know, his new film, Patterson, starring Adam Driver. It's, you know, no one would describe that as a comedy, but there's all these really beautiful, light, funny moments in that film. So I think he's really giving you quite a 
a really unfiltered portrait of life in all of these movies, whether they're, um, you know, something like Mystery Train, which is kind of these different stories or converging, or whether it's, um, you know, that with Gimme Danger, I mean, what he's, what he presents there is a story about people and the life they led. It's not really a traditional documentary bio where he goes and surveys a million famous people and says, what did you think of the Stooges? He really is only offering you the voice of people who are either in the Stooges or very closely related to that story. And so in the end, it's just a story about people and their lives. It's not really a story about a rock and roll band. So, you know, I, I think that's what I like about his films so much, that and the humour. I really love the the very surprising moments of comedy that he puts in movies. Yeah, there is a, a yeah, I think you touched on it, there's like an economy of style, which is an overused term, but I think it really applies to him. Yeah, I mean, the films all look incredibly distinctive and I've, just that, uh, you know, they're very unhurried and I, and I don't mean that in, oh, they're dull, which, a lot of people feel like if you don't have all these manic things happening all the time, but you know, it's really rare these days where you can go to the cinema and not feel completely bombarded or not feel like you're just watching, you know, a two hour advertisement. So I really appreciate that whenever he makes a movie, I'm kind of rushing out to see it because I think it will be interesting. Like I will, something will be surprising. I also think that the other thing that I love about his films is that and I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's intentional, I don't know, but because he's so, his breadth of cultural knowledge is really diverse, you know, everything from sort of poetry to punk rock, I feel like he puts all these great little Easter eggs in his film. So um, it reminds me a bit of, you know, I remember, you know, being a teenager and you'd, you know, read an interview with a band and they would name check someone who you, you know, not heard of yet. You know, you read an interview with REM and they're like, oh, this, you know, this, woman, Patti Smith, and you're like, who's Patti Smith? And then, you know, you run off and suddenly the world opens up a bit and then you learn about Patti Smith and the world opens up again. And every single one of his films has that. You know, Only Lovers Left Alive, obviously, name checks a million thinkers and artists and writers. And so I always walk away from his films and and I'm, then I'm off researching and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even know what this record was or I didn't know who this painter was. And that means for me, I can endlessly watch those films because I'm always get it gleaning these little, you know, um, tips. And it's, yeah, I, I love that about his films and I hope that he's putting that in intentionally. If he's not, I, um, you know, thank you, Mr. Jamish. I've learned lots of great things as a result of watching them. So I kind of hope people come to his films with that genuine sense of curiosity because there's, yeah, there's loads and loads of stuff in them. How come he hasn't aged? I think he's a vampire. Yeah, that's my thing. It's obvious that he makes only lovers left alive. There's that great, yeah, I mean, I just think that when he made that film, it, I mean, you know, who knows, but as soon as I saw that film, I was like, I love it. I love that you have made a vampire film because you, you know, you must be a vampire. But yeah, he, he seems to be ageless. It's like he, I don't know, I, I, I can't imagine what five-year-old Jim Jamush looked like. I want to believe he was just a shorter version of what he looks like now the but, same um, silver hair. yeah the same silver hair smoking a cigarette wearing all black he's a filmmaker who I have watched his film since I was quite young and so there's something also really exciting for me when um, you're almost 
seeing the new film as it comes out. And so you get, you know, these films are quite attached then to your own life and you think where you were when you saw this film first. And they just haven't aged for me a bit like him. Like, I don't think that you look at a film like Down By Law and go, oh, this film's dated really badly. Like, what is this? They're really timeless. So maybe he's a vampire. Maybe he has a magic elixir. Maybe it's just that he is a genuinely fantastically curious person and maybe that is the trick to um to looking that cool and that young <laughs> for this long I don't know but um yeah I mean they're, they're they're wonderful kind of films great thank you Christy just to finish off can you just give us the details of the when when does the season start and uh, and just maybe reiterate the films um so uh the season starts on the 27th of December with give me danger and then over the course of um, uh, January, we will play Down by Law, Mystery Train, Dead Man and Coffee and Cigarettes. And, um, you know, all the films are playing a few times. We're screening all of the older films on 35mm prints. So um, I think it'll be really fun to get a gang of friends together and come and, you know, either see them for the first time on a big screen or just come and... Um, you know, enjoy them again and maybe bring a notepad and paper so you can collect all those little Easter eggs and <laughs> run off and spend the rest of your summer listening to cool new records that you never knew existed. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for programming. I'll be looking for the season for a long time. Excellent. Thank you so much. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the Acme website.